What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode seven of More Wrestling's podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Morrison. I'm today joined by my co-host, Zach, as we do a little recap of the Henry DeGlaine, the flow card, and week three of college wrestling. What's going on, Zach? Not much, man. How you doing? Not bad. Uh, as I just mentioned, I got off the phone with, or got off the call with Ben Hannes talking about how he's doing at Penn RTC and you know, a little background of his college career, both at Cornell and his year at uh, Syracuse. So it's kind of cool. It'll be a nice conversation for people to listen to. Excited to hear that one. Yeah, it was it was very nice. I was seen, first senior level guy on my show. So um, I got Yosef Amita lined up in the next few weeks whenever he gets some free time. I think he's like overseas or something right now. Oh, really? I, I, maybe his story was like, I want to say it was like Egypt or something. I don't know. What? Yeah. I swear that's what a story said on Instagram. I mean, maybe he's got a dual citizenship somewhere. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. So let's just get right into it. Talk about the college stuff that did or did not happen over week three. We'll start with uh, Buffalo. Buffalo is on a rough stretch right now. Their matches with Gannon and Binghamton for last week were canceled due to the ongoing COVID you know, situation that they have. And they're, Upcoming matches against Ryder and George Mason have both been canceled as well. Their next scheduled uh, competition is a quad meet at SIU, SIUE. Um, that's January 30th. So that's like a whole month without wrestling. It's kind of rough. Yeah, I don't – I hope they get back going. I'm sure they'll find something, though. I mean, you can't just go into conferences with three matches. I'm sure they'll probably find some way to get some tries in there or something like that, because they definitely need to get some competition before they go into conferences. Yeah, they got to pull like a little Gardner Webb and say, whoever wants to wrestle, I'll wrestle. I mean, right. that'd be nice anyways. Right. Uh, so we'll head over to Binghamton. Binghamton hosted Long Island University. Binghamton won the match 32-6. to six. Uh, The match started at 174, where Jake Nolan, major decision James Lagan. Uh, Jake Nolan, Binghamton. Uh, they won 9 nothing. Uh, 184, Lou Dupre of Binghamton, won by fall over TJ Frandon of LIU. 197, Sam Dupre, uh, decision Dan Sheffran of Long Island, uh, 8-1. Up at 285, Tim Nagoski of LIU, decision Corey Day, 3-2. 125, our boy Micah Rose from Binghamton, major decision Bryce Cockrell, 8-0. At 133, Anthony Sabacher, Binghamton decision Devin Matthews six to four, one forty one Zach Trampe decision Drew Witham of LIU five to four, one forty nine Michael Zarif of Binghamton decision Chris Gomez seven to six, and one fifty seven Rice Royster of Long Island decision Anthony Straczynski eight to five, and at one sixty five Brevin Casella one by forfeit. What did you think of that match? All right, so first of all, Corey Day up from 184 wrestling at heavyweight where he had the guy on his back for the better half of a minute, maybe even two, and got two swipes. Yeah, that was kind of like, brutal. What? Like he held, he literally had him on his back the whole time and he got two swipes the entire time. I don't know where I what I did with my notes. Uh, it's kind of going to make me mad, but I had, I just, I mean, I, I watched Corey day in high school. He was a D two guy uh, for Iroquois. I believe he, 
I think he was like 138 as a junior. Or no, he was 145, I believe, as a junior. And he won states at 160 at uh, – yeah, 160. Like, Because Jake Nolan won states at 170 that year, and he won at 160. And here he is at 285. It's kind of unreal. Right. He's, he's on that bulk job. Yeah, the Bearcat bulk job, as I mentioned. Um, that's just bizarre. Uh, I actually reached out to Jake Nolan and was like, hey, what's the deal with this dude? And I think Jake said he's weighing around like 210. So, no way. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got what two – well, this year doesn't count. So last year he was a 184-pounder. So he still has three more years of eligibility. Um, that's kind of big. If he does go 285, you know, he's got that, you know, lightweight style, I guess not really lightweight, but middleweight style where, you know, he likes to ride legs too, as shown. But right. I don't know. I'm excited for him to at 285. It's kind of a big jump for him. A little, a little more size on first. <clears throat> um, And then, and then we, I mean, Micah looks so good. Yeah. He kind of just did what he wanted when he wanted, and it looked really good. That's uh, his second match with a nice blast double. Yeah, he just – he looked great. He got the major decision. Um, he's he's tough. He's fun to watch too. Another guy, Jacob Nolan, up top, he started the match with a major decision. His takedown, I, I want to say it was in like the last 15 seconds of the match. To secure the major decision was big. Um, obviously, it wasn't probably going to be big for the team scores because they're, you know, favorite heavy anyways. But, you know, it was good for – him to pick up the major. He also had a match, an extra match, where he majored as majored another kid. Same with uh, Dane Hemberline. He had an extra match as well. I'm not going to call them extra exhibitions because I mean these count. But yeah, he also won. Uh, who else do we? Oh, so yeah, Trampe versus Drew. Man. That was pretty exciting in the first period. Oh my goodness, dude! I. I might have a hard time not being biased here, but Jesus, man. I, I couldn't watch the rest of the duel after that match because it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. I love Drew, but I, he just wouldn't take the point that he was being given. Yeah. Trippy tried to let him up in the, in the beginning of the third period, and he kind of, like, tried to play the game. You know, I mean, they do that in high school all the time, right? I mean, this is easily a true freshman mistake. Right. He, he tried to play the game and kind of kill some clock before he got his one. He got hit for that stall call. And now it's a tie match and Trampy is just a hammer on top. Like he's, he's, he's going to do everything he can to ride that match out now. And I mean, that's exactly what he did. And Drew couldn't, Drew didn't really get any movement going um, after that, after that stall call. And that's obviously another, that's a big thing that freshmen deal with in college is like, you know, Trampe's, you know, a veteran in college. He, he knows how to ride on top. We, he's known for being a hammer on top anyways, but right. you know, when you're up to a task of getting out from a guy like him, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to, hard to do, especially, I don't know. You, I mean, the way Drew wrestles anyways, he kind of had that little, I don't even know what he tried to hit. Maybe it was just a little hip over. Um, but you know, when he got the legs in and flattened them out, it was kind of over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. There was uh he, he's weird on bottom. He, he's, he's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of improvement to make there. Uh, he, he tries to do a lot of uh, hip stuff where he's trying to roll or, or make something big happen. He's got to just kind of get back to the basics in college and kind of just get to his feet, get to his hand fight and, and get his one because the best guys in the country aren't going to give up that weird stuff. Right. I mean, that's kind of good to have in your back pocket, you know, from time to time. But yeah, going back to the basics is 
is going to help him out, you know, a lot. I mean, I've been watching him do that stuff since, to quote Bo Nickel, since he was six years old. I mean, I watched Drew Russell when he was younger, living in northern New York. But, you know, he'll uh, he'll learn from that mistake. And I'm excited to watch that match at EIWAs. Yeah, me too. He 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 came off the mat. Like, I can't wait to see that guy again. So I'm excited to, to see – to see him wrestle again and just keep making those improvements throughout the year. I mean, he's a true freshman. He's got, he's got four years after this, obviously. So this doesn't count. Right. So it, yeah. it's exciting where he can be learning these, learn, learning these mistakes he's making now early. Uh, any other matches you want to talk about in the Binghamton LIU duel? I'll be honest. After Drew lost, I had a hard time watching the rest. <laughs> so I kind of, <laughs> I, I walked away for a minute. So I didn't see the rest of the duel. Yeah, you didn't miss much. I mean, there was the forfeit, but at 149, Zarif versus Gomez, that was kind of the battle of Long Island wrestlers. Uh, you know, North Shore versus South Shore. Zarif got it done in 176. So that was, you know, a nice win for him. I guess we'll head uh, over to Army, where they hosted Hofstra. Uh, Army 130-18. That's starting at 125 pounds. Ryan Chauvin of Army won by forfeit. At 133 pounds, Garrett Lambert of Hofstra pinned Mark Montgomery. At 141, Logan Brown of Army made your decision, Vinny Vespa. 149, PJ Ugusanya of Army won by fall over Charles Kane. 157, Holden Heller of Hofstra won by fall over Marcus Hartman. 165, Bo Goffey decision of Army decision, Reese Heller of Hofstra. <clears throat> Excuse me. 174, Ross McFarland of Hofstra, won by fall over Brad Laughlin. 184, Taylor Brown of Army, injury default over Charles Small. 197, JT Brown of Army, decision Trey Rogers. And at 285, Ben Sullivan of Army, decision Zach Knight and Ward of Hofstra, 4-0. What did you think of that match? You know, it's interesting to see um, Ross up at 174 and um, – he he lost the Russell off at 65, three to one, to um, God his name is blanking me right now. Uh, uh, section, section eight kid, he was Ricky, really tough. Ricky Stam. And yeah, the, the NCA qualified. He qualified yep. for NCAA last year. Yep. Um, he lost three one there, and now he's up at 74, and uh, got a pin with three seconds to go in the match. That was exciting. Um, and then you see uh, Knight and Ward lost, unfortunately. Um, the other NCA qualifier for Hofstra. Yeah, so Nine Ward actually went 0 2 on the day. Um, I didn't realize it, but I guess he lost to Army's backup as well. Uh, I don't know the guy's first name. I think his last name's Heard, but he lost 4 to 3 to him. Uh -oh. So, I mean, Army's pretty tough up top, obviously, but um, you know, one of the matches that stuck out to me, I, I wasn't able to watch the whole duel. I uh, turned it on, I think, maybe at the end of 184. Um, but I watched 197 and 285. But 157, Holden Heller of Hofstra. Uh, won by fall over Marcus Hartman of Army. Hartman, I believe, was ranked like top 10 in the country. Uh, maybe close to, you know, top five, I believe. He was ranked pretty high. I don't know. I didn't watch the match, so I don't know how he got pinned. But he got pinned in two minutes, 13 seconds. That, that kind of stuck out. Yeah, that's a, that's a shocker one. Yep. So that's uh that was that for West Point. We'll head to some of the uh you know box scores that involve some of our New York wrestlers. We'll start at 157. Andrew Sir Cerniglia of Navy won over AJ Burkhart, a New York guy, 
He competes at Lehigh. That was a 9-8 match. 157, Jesse Delvecchio of Ryder over Trevin Elfin, Clarion. 165, Jake Silverstein of Ryder over Colby Ho of Clarion, 8-4. 133, Matt Schmidt of Missouri over Zach Redding of Iowa State, 4-3. 141, Gavin Damasco of Davidson over Chase Host of Bellamare, Blarmine, 7-1. 141, Anthony Brito of Appalachian State over Gavin Damasco of Davidson, 6-4. 133, Sean Carter of Appalachian State over Kyle Gorant of Davidson, 12-8. 133, Sean Carter of Appalachian State over Max Danzuru of Bellarmine, Tech Fall, 20-5. 184, Nick Kasperson, uh, SDSU, South Dakota State over Sam Wolf of Air Force, Five to two and 197. Tyler Musa of VMI over Jake Mitchell of Ohio, six to four. And also Levi Hopkins, Campbell over Tyler Musa of VMI, five to one. So those are some of the New York guys. We might have missed one or two. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of went through them again. But if you missed, if we missed you, send us a message on, on Twitter or something and make sure we'll get you in there. Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, I saw the box score between South Dakota State and Air Force, and I was like, Sam Wolf, I'm pretty sure he's the Warsaw guy. And, you know, sure enough, he's out there competing at Air, Air Force. So, yeah. Where is, uh, where is Tanner Cook? I was wondering that, too. He hasn't been in their lineup. Um, you know, he was in one of the previews, but then he didn't wrestle for SDSU. And then I think they had another competition, and they didn't even in, include him in the preview. So, I have no idea. Um, I'm sure, you know, a few of our listeners might know. You know, shoot us a text, shoot us a tweet, let us know. I, I don't know. I'm curious myself. I, I'll reach out to people. I mean, I would like to see him, you know, compete a few times here before the, the postseason, which, I mean, it's pretty close. But, yeah, that's that's what I have for that. And our next week's schedules for the Division One matches um, that are LIU at Sacred Heart. That's tonight, uh, 6 o'clock. Hofstra at LIU, that's Sunday at noon, and Binghamton at Army. It was Saturday. Um, it's going to be Saturday at 2 p.m., but it was moved from Sunday. So if anybody's listening and was wondering, you know, it's it's moved to Saturday now. So uh, tune in for those matches. Some other college-related news. Mizzou is looking really, really good. Uh, you get no tools just you know hammering people isn't he he went pin tech six point decision tech tech pin the six point decision he scored 12 points like he's so good i can't wait to see him wrestle for the next five years yeah i mean they've got some hammers on their team but i mean they kind of talked about it you know mizzou's not ranked high or i mean at the beginning of the season they weren't because you know keegan o'toole's you know he's a rookie um, and in the college scene anyways. And then you got like Peyton Mako and I'm blanking on one of the, the guys' names, but he also Albert, had a nice ranked win over Albert, Iowa State. Matt Schmidt. I mean, they're all looking really good. Yeah. Uh, so guys you, you never heard of before. I mean, I didn't know who Alan Hart was coming into the year. And, yeah, he's he's on fire as well. Uh, he's one of the gingers that is doing really well, isn't he? <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> Mizzou's the best top team in the country. Yeah. And, and I the bonus points that they're scoring, you know, once you do that stuff at the, you know, NCAA tournament, 
you know, you're just going to be racking up points left and right. So they're, they're a team to watch out for, for sure. Um, we'll head over to Iowa. Nelson Brands has made some jumps. Yeah, so he majored Taylor Venz. Um, Taylor Venz has only been bonus points three times. He got pinned by Brooks in Big Ten last year, and he was teched by Miles Martin back in 2018, and then he gave up a major to Taylor Lujan in 2019. So he's not somebody who gives up points a lot, and Nelson Brands made him look bad. <laughs> he just kind of did what he wanted. He looked, uh, Nelson Brands is going to be problems this year. Yeah, some of the uh... – the the Kesha, I think he walked out to Kesha, didn't he? I'm reading a few posts on yes, Twitter, I'm like, uh, that's pretty awesome. He's he's one of those guys that like I I like to root for. I mean, he's Terry's son. I'm excited to watch him wrestle. I know last year, you know, he was in a loaded weight class in the Iowa room. You know, he's I'm excited to watch him wrestle. Did did Kesha get in Taylor Vence's head? I, I'm wondering maybe maybe so. Um, yeah. You don't walk out to Kesha and not beat somebody up. You know what I mean? Like Taylor Vance heard Kesha and said, uh oh. 125, Pat McKee over Rayvon Foley. That was a pretty big upset. Yeah. Um I don't know who's gonna be in the national finals, but all I do know is Spencer Lee is bonusing everybody. Yeah. I mean I I'm a big Jay Camacho fan. you know, but he's I don't know what kind of you know, he's gonna see some of those tough guys, Sam Altona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a few of the other guys in the ACC, but I don't know about, I, I want to see him wrestle some big 10 guys. Obviously he's not going to be able to before nationals, but you know, I'm, right. I'm a big Jay Camacho fan just because he's from the Northeast. Yeah. And, I mean, I think he's my pick too. Yeah. He would, he would be my pick for, you know, second place at this point. Um, Real quick, speaking of NC state, did you notice that Ryan Jack got the start over Trombley at 133? I saw that he was in the lineup. Um, I didn't look that deep into it but uh yeah i did see that he was in the lineup who did Trumley, he wrestle? wrestled he wrestled extra matches i don't know who Trumley wrestled but he, he he wrestled extra matches um in that duel so i mean that's not yeah, like so he, he wrestled back. yeah so he, it's not like he you know was hurt or something like that right and Trumley's a top 13 guy i mean i I'm, ryan jack lost his his match but um i just think it's a note notable thing to see him in the starting lineup over one of the top 15 guys in the country yeah, you, you got to look what his brother did. Right. That's impressive. And then, you know, his high school teammate, Jake Macho, is down there. Just, I don't know. It's pretty cool to see both of them in the lineup coming from a, a state like Connecticut. Right, for sure. I mean, their club is unreal. <laughs> yeah, I follow those guys on Instagram, and they're always, you know, they're always putting out hammers. And, you know, the pipeline to NC State is pretty strong, too. So, right. Uh, we'll head to uh, what's going on in Columbus, anyways. Cool, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, Willie Saylor. I had to put that. I thought it was great. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I was kind of wondering the same thing after seeing their losses over Look, the Look, I'm wearing an Ohio State shirt right now, so I'm not a hater. I love Ohio State. They're my favorite team outside of Cornell. And Cornell is really because of proximity. But I love Ohio State. So, like, I'm not throwing shade. But what happened? I mean, you got kind of beat up by Illinois yeah um definitely you know the only good takeaways from that was like Sammy Sasso beating Carr but yeah I mean you got guys like D'Amelio losing to I think it was Pacino Pacino yeah yeah so that was a weird loss I mean there's several weird losses on there uh Ethan Smith which Ethan Smith's in the lineup now because Karchel is out I think he's out for the season I think he tore his ACL or something. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, it's so that's a uh, loss for them. But Ethan Smith I mean, is in the lineup. Ethan Smith is a solid replacement, though. I mean, he, no, he had a good last year. Um, I mean, he, he was a national qualifier last year. So, I mean, like, it's a good backup to have. <laughs> a great backup to have. I just, you know, Karchla is, oh, yeah. I, I don't I know. Mean, I was excited to watch him, you know, watching him compete this offseason or whatever season you want to call it. He uh, he looked tough. He looked good. And I, I was excited I, to watch him compete, you know, at the NCAAs. But, yeah, Ethan Smith is not a bad guy to have in your lineup as a backup. Right. And then they lose, and then Rocky Jordan loses to Zach Bronicle. Gavin Hoffman loses to Robleski, Robluski, and then Orndorff ends up losing to Luffman. I mean, they, that was that was hard. I mean, you had those. I mean, you expected Ethan Smith to win that match. You expected Rocky Jordan to win that match. You definitely expected Gavin Hoffman to win. Yeah, who and the heck's Robluski? I've never heard of the guy. I know, right? No um, respect, but. And then Orndorff loses to Luffman. Last year, Luffman lost to Gaston Gary. Like, yeah, baby, Gaston Gary beat him eleven to four. Dude, we need Gaston and Gary back in the lineup. As an Ohio State fan, it's sacrilege that he's not wrestling this year. I mean, you, you put Gaston and Gary in the lineup. You guys start at 285. You know, you, you don't need fans in the stands. You, you know, Gaston and Gary is going to lead you the whole match. You guys, they'll be, you know, vibing off of his win. Um, you know, Luke Loffman, he was 14-11 and 11 last year as a freshman. And I think he's sitting right now 3-0. and And he's got some pretty good wins. He just beat Hilger. Yeah, I mean, he, he beat Hilger, Orndorf. and then he beat uh, Penn Tate Orndorff. And then he beats Hilger. Like, Hilger's a top top three guy potential. I mean, I don't see him beating Paris or, or Gable, but after that, and, and, I mean, Kirk Fleet's out for the year at this point. At least that's the rumor. That's what I saw too, yeah. So, I mean, it's realistic that Hilger's a top top three guy. Yeah, and, I mean, oh, Luke Luffman of Illini, you know, gives him the loss, but. I don't know. Maybe Luke Luffman's a new dude. Hopefully. I mean, I always like seeing those guys make big jumps. So I think his body has definitely changed a lot too. I mean, 14 11 as a freshman last year at 285. And you can see he's like starting to fill out a little bit better. And, you know, it will, uh, we'll move on from college competition to the flow card. Anthony Knox versus Ben Davino. What'd you think of that match? Um, I was impressed. I thought Anthony Knox looked really good. Uh, it was interesting to see the adjustments both guys were making. Um, Knox was given a lot of pressure in, and he, he made a couple of mistakes and let and let the uh, the dump come come twice, really. Um, but then the second period did a really nice job of adjusting and getting to his attacks and pulling out a pretty dominant second period. I thought the same thing, and I mean that's kind of what I wrote down to the doc as well. That Knox is tough. Um, you know, he took those two dumps and he made some mid-match adjustments. He had several nice leg attacks off of Davino's pressure. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch him. I think he is going to I, – I just saw that where they're going to uh, – where he's competing in high school. Uh, where is that? I know he's going to – oh, no, I did see it too. St. Um, John Vianney? Yes. I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, everybody thought he was going to go to uh, Bergen. Yep. And uh, he decided – to kind of start something over there. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so he's a you know going to be a fun guy to watch. He's very tough. Uh, he's down in New Jersey. The next match was Sage Mortimer versus Audrey Jimenez. Yeah, um, Sage is really good. Um, I thought she she had some really good techniques. She had she was driving those underhooks really well, going to that knee pick. Uh, it was almost it almost kind of resembled like the Hydley knee pick because she didn't like run out front, 
like your you know your typical your typical Farney pick. Right. She kind of ran behind, just like the Hydley brothers do, which was it was impressive to see and interesting to see that happen. Um, the other thing I noticed was there was clear. I thought it was a pretty clear size difference there. Jimenez seemed like she came up just to get a really good match in. And uh, she did that. She definitely made it a good match. I mean, second period, she made a huge adjust- adjustments. Um, first period, she kept, she got to the single leg a couple times and got, and got ended up getting stalemated out. And then um, the the second period, she came out and Sage was running those underhooks again. And, and this time, him and I was able to sweep sweep single out of the underhook and get to and uh, able to actually finish her shots this time. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned her adjustments that she made. I was I noticed that she trans transitioned quicker on her shots. You know, she beat the corner instead of getting stuck in the shin wizard like she did in the first period. So uh, that was kind of big. I mean, I think her maybe her last shot that she took was stuffed. It was kind of more of a I want to say desperation shot, but it wasn't the greatest of shots. It wasn't like her um, the shots that she t- took earlier in the match. But you know, Sage was able to stuff it and spin behind. But I mean, Audrey's only fourteen. Her future looks pretty good. Yeah, these girls are definitely a feature of women's wrestling, in my opinion. Um, it's impressive to see how good they are, um, and, and I'm excited to see them go forward. Yeah, Sage is uh, going on to college. Audrey Jimenez is at the high school that RBY competed at. So, you know, no, she's, she's got the uh, right path going for her, so that's good. Yeah, apparently I guess it was RBY who put like kind of reached out and said, yo, I got a girl get her a match <laughs> yeah i mean he's not only growing his brand he's like putting other people out there and you know it's he's got that platform to do it and he's doing a really yeah. nice job yeah, it was awesome for him to reach out and put that match together uh third match of the night was cody chittam versus jordan williams dude cody chittam is going to be really good right out of the gate i can't wait to see him wrestling college because he's gonna he's gonna be something special yeah, he is very good. Um, I think the last time I watched him was, you know, sometime over the summer or fall. It was the uh, Elite Eight Duels or whatever it was down there. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You, you remember watching it, right? I was actually I was not able to watch those, but I did follow the results and stuff. And he ended up he, – he beat Kyle Valencia up at 170. Yeah, and he, I think he lost to Hamill. Yes, yeah, Dean Hamill. Yeah, he lost to Dean Hamill up there. But, well. I mean, that's he's a hammer anyways. Right, but, right, I mean, up at 170, he beat – Kyle Valencia and then lost to Dean Hamidi, right? Hamidi, yeah. Yeah, Hamidi is Dean. Yeah, I don't know why I said Hamill, but yeah, Hamidi beat him. And that was, um, but Williams, you know, he had that two on two on one rush and Chittam just hit him with like a little boot scoot drag and came up rear standing and just sent him for a ride. That was filthy. (laughs) Yeah. How did he not get five? Like, why? Like, that was definitely a five point throw. He made the rainbow, you know, he was literally the USA symbol. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say that it was just like the logo for the USA wrestling. Like it was right. perfect. Um, but Chittam is, I think he's back in Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's back. He's back in Tennessee. I mean, I think the understanding was like, because of COVID nobody knew what was going to be going on. And, and especially with those prep schools, I mean, if you're living on campus and stuff, you don't really know what was going to happen. So I think he took his chances of going home and making sure he was able to compete. Yeah. So uh, Chittam's back at McCallie high school, I believe in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, no one south of Mason Dixon line is going to listen to this, but you know, shout out to the Dirty South. Hey, we had a German last week. Listen, okay? Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, whoever you are in Germany listening to this, you know, shout out to you. <laughs> uh, so, the fourth match was the first senior level match. That was Seth Gross versus Joey McKenna. Yeah, um, 
I don't think you can take much from it. Joey's a lot bigger, a lot stronger. Um, I think if Seth was trying to grow into 65, he probably could, but he's shrinking his body right now. He's probably walking around at 38 at the most. So I don't see, I don't see it being a. Yeah. Um, one thing I did take away was I liked McKenna's transition. I mean, he kind of shot in on a double and which, you know, it's he, the first takedown was, you know, beautiful. Um, but the one that he shot from space a little bit was a double, but he transitioned to a single and then he grabbed Seth's forearm. And, you know, usually Seth takes that forearm and like likes to peel at the guy's hand and stretch the guy out. And, uh, you know, is able to use a little bit of his funk and long arms for leverage. But, uh, you know, I taking away his defense and, you know, whether it was his hip tip or just attacking with the top hand was huge. And, you know, it was obviously McKenna kind of scouted that because <clears throat> that's exactly what he went for on both of his shots. Right. Well, like McKenna, the, the one thing that makes McKenna a tough matchup for a lot of people is he is so technically sound. And that's why it's always been really hard. Like him and him and Yanni have had really good matches for the longest time. Yanni, Yanni's thing was like, he's really like, you can get to his legs, but you can't finish because he's so, he's so scrambly. And McKenna, his MO is I'm going to get to your legs and I'm going to take you down. Like there's no scrambling. I'm going to finish this shot and it's not going to be a problem. So like, I didn't expect Seth to be able to do all the weird stuff. But I think last week I said, you know, there's a possibility, which there's always a possibility with somebody like Seth. But I, I just don't think – I don't think Joey's a very scrambly kind of guy. You're not be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so, I mean, I, I would pick Joey McKenna last week to win anyways, and, you know, he did. But he, uh, he was definitely too much for, for gross. So the, uh, the next match was Jaden Cox versus Nathan Jackson. Yeah, this is another one. Um, I'm not sure what to take from it. Uh, Jaden def definitely has some mat rests going on. I'm hoping to kind of see him get back into, into his comp competition. But I did notice he has a boot on his yeah. foot. Yeah, I saw Zeb Miller. Um, his, he had an Instagram story, and, you know, he had, I think Jaden had, was taking a picture with somebody and you could tell there he had a boot on and he talked about, you know, a minor injury that he had, but he didn't really get into detail, but I hope everything's okay with him. I mean, he was still practicing and whatnot with his, you know, ankle taped. Then Jackson. So here's my takeaway. Either Jaden has some work to do to, to get to Snyder or Jackson's just way better than most of us look at and think. Cause that was a decent, that was a really good match until Jaden got on top. And at that point, Jaden's got a pretty good amount of weight on you and he's probably gonna be able to gut you, which his gut has gotten way better. He, he gutted um, Hayden Zilmer last um, on Saturday or no Friday, which he's a, he was a Greco guy. The Greco guys do not get turned in gut wrenches against freestyle guys. So his gut has gotten a lot better. So I kind of expect him to be able to turn Jackson. So outside of that turn, it was a pretty competitive match yeah I mean I take back what I said last show um I kind of thought Cox was gonna take the match a little bit you know easier uh I didn't think it was gonna be competitive but then again we haven't seen Cox wrestle you know besides four days prior to this match we haven't seen him wrestle in, in months but uh you have like Jackson you can tell the the past 15 matches he's had since April leading into this match you know really helped him out because he looked good uh, you know one thing um, that he had was his blast double, but, you know, they were stopped by the brick wall hips of Cox. And, you know, scoring, getting to Jaden's legs and scoring is a whole different animal, you know. But 
I don't know. I, I wanted to see Cox open up more again, his, his injury with his foot, um, you know, might've slowed him down a little bit and he just played it safe, which is fine. But I, I kind of want to see more of um, what Jaden has to offer before, you know, trials. Cause obviously we talked about him versus Snyder. Snyder obviously looked good this past weekend in uh, France. Looked really good. Yeah. So I... hopefully uh, Jaden's better. He's got another match at the end of the month with Mark Hall. That's going to be an exciting match. Final match of the night was Jordan Burroughs versus David Taylor. Yeah. Um, Four four criteria, you know. I know the stats kind of going around Twitter right now, but Burroughs has never been outscored by an American. Yeah, that's he crazy to think four about. Four matches to Americans, and all of them have been on criteria. Like that's an unreal stat, especially when you consider who he's wrestled. I mean, he's wrestled David Taylor, he's wrestled Kyle Dake, Imar, and Marable. I mean, Marable was his first one, obviously, but like, still, like those are four tough guys. Um, but when we get into the match, it was weird. I really want to see it again, just cause I want to see the, the match happen without the slip thing. I don't really know if I want to call it a slip or like, he looked like he stretched his groin a little bit and you saw the wince of pain and then he came back out and he was good. He looked like he was okay to go, but that could also just be Jordan Burroughs being Jordan Burroughs and a tough son of a gun. Um, I, I'm coming away and I still honestly believe Burroughs is the better wrestler. Um, I mean, you take away that 20 pounds and that's a, I mean, Burroughs is winning that match. The, the one shot he got in on real deep ended up getting stuffed and kind of sat down into a, a stalemate. But I think if you take those 20 pounds off DT, he's finishing that double leg. I will, I got to give DT some credit though. He had a killer game plan. He kept hearing his, his corner say left hand down, left hand down. And you could tell it was frustrating Burroughs. You try to go to that righty single and he would get stopped immediately he, he it wasn't it was never there um it wasn't until about a minute left that Burroughs was able to start getting something going and I don't know how much of that is he figured it out or DT was like all right I'm just gonna kind of give ground here I got a minute to go well by four I'm just not getting taken down true um I kind of wanted the I don't know I mean obviously it's a big match you know David Taylor has lost to him several times um, he wanted to get that win. Maybe I, I'm not saying he wrestled cautious. I mean, because we didn't really watch him have a whole lot of offense. You know, he didn't really take a lot of whole attacks. Again, it's Jordan Burroughs. He's the best, but I wanted to watch him maybe open up more, you know, because a lot of times when he creates action, that's when he's best. I mean, again, it's Jordan Burroughs. That's kind of what he's good at too, but I think just getting his offense. What do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. It was weird to see David not get to an offense. You know what I mean? Like he got to a leg twice. They both ended up being pushouts. And then the one takedown was a go behind. Like you don't see David do that. And I think the, I think where, where it was is the hand fight. I don't think he expected JB to be able to stay in that hand fight. And you saw a couple of times JB snapped DT to his, to his knees a couple of times. And th that was really impressive for me when you're going up 25 pounds and you're able to snap the world champion to his knees. Like that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, and another thing is, you know, David Taylor's, he's good at when people are in on his legs, you know, I'm not saying he's going to let somebody in on his legs, but like, even if you're not afraid to, you know, create some action, you know, you're, you're trying to score and he, he shoots in on you. He can defend, um, you know, leg attacks pretty well. You know, he gets in there scrambles, not necessarily scrambles, but funks out of it. I wanted to see, you know, him just trust himself where 
if his offense isn't working and you know you give up something like that, your your defense is gonna help you out. But I didn't yeah, really... and that's one of the that's one of the things my group chat I was talking to him a while um, after the match was over. Um, one of my alumni, his name's Chris. He was uh, he's a big Penn State fan, and he was he was saying the same thing. Like I I'm sitting here saying you know I still think Jordan's better. I think Jordan you know, pound for pound is better than David Taylor. And he was like, well, you didn't even see David in his best positions. And I was like, I mean, you got a point. I mean, David's best positions is when somebody's on his legs and reattacks. So um, that was a good point that, that they made. Yeah. I, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, that's thought I would see more of that. And like, that's kind of what his, his bread and butter is. Then again, I mean, Jordan didn't, I guess, attack as much um, on David, but they, I mean, they kind of both played it somewhat safe um yeah with that slip that uh jordan had i thought at first like people were saying it was stuff on the mat i don't know if it was if you kind of look at his toe it, it really wasn't position on the mat where he's going to explode off but i don't know maybe that's just what i thought yeah um, no i agree I, I think it was it was a misstep and as he came down i think i, I think he stretched your run a little bit and that was the that was the basically that was the match yeah really that was um obviously the, their corner kind of wanted you know, a call out of that. Right. Uh, so that was the flow card. Uh, it was a pretty good card for just being put on for four days uh, in advance. Uh, let's move over to France where we follow the Henry de Glane. All right. Go ahead and take it at 57 kilograms. 57 kilos. I have some takes <clears throat> that probably aren't going to be well taken. So <laughs> I thought the Gilman takedown was a good call. I've seen – I've seen more liberal takedowns given on the edge and I don't understand the outrage. I think it's because we're Americans and we all want to see Gilman Suriano, but I've seen takedowns much worse than that. I've seen a guy with a claw and a, and a single leg get a takedown because it's because his chest is up, but he's not passed behind everything. It, I didn't understand the outrage on the, on the call. And at the end of the day, Gilman lost that match himself. He did. He, he, he had no reason to do that. All he had to do was back up two steps, but instead he was angry. I mean, and which I get, I mean, the, uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name at the moment, but the, the guy was clearly aggravating him. Just yeah, no, up. I agree too. And, you know, he was kind of like face mushing him and pushing him, and, you know, a lot of forward pressure leading for, I mean, you only had like 10 seconds left in the match and right. you were up and six, this four. This is a common thing for Gilman. He gives up matches late. I mean, he did it against Dave. Yeah. Like I he just I don't I didn't understand that. But yeah, I didn't either. Um, you know, I was only to manage to watch one live match, and that was that. I think I woke up at like I, I got done work at six and all the Americans had wrestled at that point, and there was kind of like a break and there was no Americans wrestling. You know, I, I had to go to sleep because I had barely enough time to sleep and then go back to work for 16 hours. But uh, I, I was not able to watch, or I was only able to watch one match live. And that was the ending of Gilman versus uh, I'm blanking on the guys too, but it was this Gilman semi-final match. And, you know, Gilman gets taken down in the last few seconds. And I, obviously I tweeted, that was a horrible call. I guess I just wanted to see Gilman versus Suriano in the finals. That would have been pretty epic. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I mean, I'm sure I'm literally in the minority on this whole thing, but I just, I, I don't see the outrage. I've seen it, especially overseas when we're internet, like we're America's overseas. Do not expect to give up those kind of calls. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, 
I think he knew right away when um, they threw the brick that I don't know if maybe he shrugged his shoulders or, or looked at his corner and kind of, you know, nodded or whatever. But I think he knew he wasn't going to get that call being an American in France. Not that he was wrestling a Frenchman, but I just, it wasn't going to look good for him. Right. Um, but how about Vito? Yeah. So Vito, Vito's really good. And last week I was really high on Vito. And again, that was probably my bias speaking. I love Vito. He's a great kid. I've watched him wrestle since he was in seventh grade, but I'm not sure he's ready to make the team, but I'm not going to say he can't make the team. Um, if, if we have, once we get to this point and we're ready to pick, pick things, uh, he's my Molinero. You know what I mean? Like he's the guy who nobody thinks is there. Nobody thinks can win it. And he's going to come out and he's going to, he's going to shock some people. Um, I'm not picking him to win, but if I had to pick a Molinero type of person, that's going to be Vito. Yeah. I mean, I'm still high on Vito, even though he, I mean, that's still pretty good, but um, I just think that he puts himself out there. I mean, he's not afraid to score points, but while doing so, he's putting himself in some pretty weird positions. Uh, Wrestling the Georgian uh, kind of proved it because it was a 15 to 13 match. Right. And, uh, you know, Suriano wrestled the same guy and beat him four to one. I mean, obviously, Suriano's defense is pretty damn good. Yeah, that's but, completely. You know, 15 to 13 uh, match, losing to the Georgian. A lot of those points were, you know, he just got caught in a bad position because he was yeah. – I'm not saying he was forcing things. He was just, you know, attempting to score points. I think cleaning that stuff up will uh, will definitely help come, you know, in a few more months when he when he really needs to shine. But yeah, so Suriano play. finished gold. He looked awesome out in, uh, you know, sun-kissed, being coached by Mark Perry. What do you think of him? So, Ariano is not the same guy he was in December 2019, January 2020. All right. When he wrestled at the U.S. Open in 2019, or the Senior Nationals, Olympic Trials Qualifier, whatever, where he lost to Vito, ended up taking fourth. And even at the Pelican in January, like, this is a completely different athlete, completely different wrestler. I saw almost – I don't want to say I saw no similarities, but – very minimal because he was moving his feet, which he didn't often do. He's not a fast guy. He doesn't move his feet. He he stays in good, really tough position. He hand fights hard and he doesn't get scored on. That was his that was his MO. And that's why his matches have always been so boring. And I think he did a really nice job of fixing all of that. And I got a DM from someone because I tweeted out and I said, Man, Mark Perry's made a huge difference on this guy. And I got a DM saying, are you sure it's Mark Perry or is it the uh, Olympic gold medalist that is also at Arizona state? And I was like, what are you? Oh my goodness. I, like, why are we not even thinking like Zeke Jones is there? Yeah. The, the like, old coach. Why, yeah. Like, why are we not thinking about that? He, um, he, if you think about it, his style is kind of moving towards the Zeke Jones. He's moving yeah. his feet on. He's taking a lot of attacks and he's still not able to be scored on. Yeah, this that's that blows my mind. I totally forgot about Coach Jones. Uh, you know, Zeke is definitely, you know, a guy that's going to help uh, Suriano with those kind of things. I thought maybe a lot of it was, you know, he's got the he was always had the attacks, but you know, what, what did he say to him to, you know, open him up? He's obviously more offensive, um, but yeah, his style is starting to like change a little bit, and you know, Suriano is becoming fun to watch. Which I'm telling you, this is my overreaction. Suriano's making the Olympic team. Uh, Suriano's making the Olympic team, man. I'm telling you. you He's got to beat 
two Iowa guys and Dayton Fix. And Dayton Fix, I think, is the one the one that I'm not positive on yet because we haven't seen him wrestle since Pelicone, mm-hmm. and he's been out since Pelicone. But I mean, that offense mixed with that defense, Spencer's going with a shot, and I don't, I don't see him, I don't see him being able to pick apart Soriano like he might do these other guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an Iowa guy, so I'm sticking with Spencer Lee on that one. But I agree, Soriano has definitely made the the jumps. I mean, he was kind of not even he was floating around the outside of the conversation. I don't know, maybe a month ago because nobody knew what he was doing, whether he was at Rutgers, um, you know, down there at the New York city RTC. Um, but now he's out in Arizona and he's, you know, he's flourishing. So that's, it's cool to see. I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, Nikki pushups, Nikki sun, sun kissed, whatever Nikki, you want to call him now. Nikki Olympic team member. Oh, there you go. I like it. Kind of has a ring to it. <laughs> yeah. uh, brings to it actually <laughs> so suriano finished gold gilman finished bronze and Vito fifth um so at one at 65 kilograms we're gonna go to yanni um holy damn he's good he's really good and it's getting scary good um as i said last week i'll never go into a competition where yanni's competing and not pick yanni um that being said the performance he put on wow he looked unreal he gets three techs to make the finals and then and one of those happens to be over an olympic champion kinchikishvili who beat him 6-6 just a few months ago um to where he then wrestles james green for the third time in a month and he in my opinion i know it's only 5-0 but he dominated that match green got one good attack off and yanni just destroyed him he got his takedowns he controlled the pace he controlled the hand fight he controlled where the match happened and green had no answers. Yeah. So Yanni scored two of his takedowns, but like all three of his scores were off of, uh, you know, uh, green had an underhook, which he did not manage to like, he didn't manage to make a single match, like mid match adjustment. Um, so he had an underhook, you know, Yanni had head position and he was able to kind of duck the underhook, uh, you know, slip his elbow and, shoot in a high crotch, tra- turn the corner, a cut to a double, got his first takedown. A second one, you know, it wasn't as clean. Um, he kind of got stuffed, but he managed to get the push out. And then the third one, he was stuffed, but, you know, they were in the kind of center of the match or center of the mat, and uh, Yanni was able to finish it and win, you know, five to zero. But which brings me back to um, Green beating the De- Desert Bots. Um, he tried to underhook right off the um, match. I don't know. It might've been like the whole first period. He kind of floated with the underhook and then he switched and he shot from space and he maybe shot from quick ties. You know, he didn't make that a match adjustment against Yanni, which I don't know if he didn't want to shoot it on Yanni anyways, but you know, after the first time Yanni took you down with using your underhook, I thought he would have you know changed it up a bit and he didn't. It's kind of surprising. Yanni, Yanni did a nice job of not letting Green get into space. He kept his hands on him at all times. He stayed in really good position and moved forward, and he kept the pressure on Green. When you're when you're a guy who rushes from space, like you need you need to be outside. You need to be moving your feet. But when the guy's constantly put his hands on you and constantly keeps you tied up, you're not able to do stuff like that. And that's where Green makes his money is from space. Or he has, I mean, he does a really nice post double as well. But Yanni just didn't give him that opportunity. And the one time he did, you know, the one time Green did get that opportunity, he hit that post double. 
Yanni did Yanni things and got his hips up and got to that, uh, that wizard and was able to, to fend it off. True. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. He, he's, he doesn't have the answers, obviously losing three matches um, in the last, you know, two months, uh, two or three months to Yanni, but you know, Yanni is just good. Um, he looked yeah. dominant all, all weekend. And, uh, and I've, been, I've been talking bad about green, but like, Green is really good. All right, Destro Bates is a good wrestler. He's 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 a really good wrestler. He he's got a win over Zane, right? A pin over Zane to qualify. I mean, he right now Destro Bates is going to the Olympics while we're kind of twiddling our thumbs over here, worried about who's gonna make the team. But we're not even qualified yet. And he's he's got a three three loss to Jo. He's got a seven four loss to Yanni, and now James Green comes out and just decks him 10-0. Yeah, like James Green's good, and that sixty-five kilo weight class in America is 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 tough. Yeah, I agree. His uh, his attacks on Destro Bits was uh, they were all like you know really good attacks, and you know Green looked very tough. But um, so that covers sixty-five kilograms. I'm excited for the trials coming up. Um, Yanni's so good. I got to text you uh, you know, separately about something that I've heard, but well uh. As I text you, I'll move up to 74 kilograms. Um, so 74 kilograms, there's not much to say besides Kyle Douglas Dake. Do you mean the rock? The rock. Yeah, he laid the rock bottom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've been showing all my non-wrestling friends that move <laughs> in hopes that it says, oh, man, we got to watch this. Because that that's something people outside of wrestling can relate to because they know who the rock is. They know what the rock bottom is. And I – I, stuff like that is what's going to bring new fans in. And if you get an opportunity, go to all your non-wrestling fans, like, yo, watch this clip and show them Dake rock bottoming Godzilla through the mat. Yeah. And, and add some uh, WWE commentary, like, by God, he threw him through the table and, you know, right? <laughs> you get the tables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he, that was so awesome. And, you know, yeah, Dake, he was dominant all day, but that, uh, that throw was pretty good. He, yes. Yeah, I don't think the guy in the finals wanted to wrestle him. So, no, he did not. He said, "I'm out. Peace. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good." So that kind of just says it for 74. I mean, I'm excited for Dake versus JB after watching that. Pump it into my bloodstream. I need the match. I need it now. I don't want to wait anymore. Thought we were going to get it in April, and we had to wait an entire year longer. Yeah. Ah. Uh, So I'm gonna go again. Walk outside. Get some of that grounding and uh, natural light after this uh, i'm doing everything he's doing i'm gonna try to power bomb somebody maybe my mailman i don't know <laughs> i got practice tonight i might power bomb one of my athletes <laughs> put it on youtube I got a table i got a table i might use it <laughs> hey buffalo bills mafia you might as well you know you can right. s- send it out to a bunch of people i'm in uh so 86 kilograms um zahid finished bronze but yeah um I didn't know Ramazan, uh, Ramazanov was going to be in the field. And if I did, and this is me being the walk it back guy, I'd have picked it because that guy's good. Yeah. I mean, he's really good. Um, and I also have to apologize because I picked Marcia Gashvili over Zahid before I knew Ramazanov was in. They met for bronze and Zahid made him look really bad. He teched him. And I apologize to Zahid. I think Zahid was probably the second best guy in the bracket. Oh, I mean, he could have been the best guy. Did you watch the Ramazanov uh, match? Yeah, I did. I mean, he gave up that weird – like, he didn't need to do that. He had the no. – he 
got in that low single uh, and just kind of laid on his belly and just kind of like held on, which is not what Zahid does. Zahid's somebody who's building up and looking to looking to finish that and keep that extend that scramble, but he just kind of stayed on his belly hoping to get a stalemate. And I mean, it was one of the slowest exposures I've ever seen. Roman Ozanov just kind of like walked real slow behind him and like slowly elevated his foot to where Zahid just broke 90. And like, Zahid was like, oh shoot, I just exposed, didn't I? <laughs> like he didn't even realize it. He's like, oh, I should probably look to score now. Yeah. I mean, then he obviously got the reversal. Um, but earlier in the match, he got, I think he was just a, a push out that was challenged and he over, he lost the challenge. So, you know, he gave up a point. I think he needed that, that challenge anyways. So he was kind of looking gassed. Yeah. But, uh, but how about Ramat Ramazanov's uh, finals match? Did you see those two ducks that he hit? The one that he I scored. Not, I was not able to watch the finals of that one. <clears throat> so I just watched it on Flow. I think last night. But those two ducks that he hit. The first one was beautiful. It was, it was like beginning of the first period, and uh, you know he scored. And then the second period, he he hit it, and I ended up finishing off with a single. But he wasn't able to score on that one. But it was filthy. He's just like he's a little fire plug. I have to go back and watch it. Yeah, so that was a good match. Um, so at 97 kilograms, Snyder took gold. Thank God his ankle's okay. He yeah. looked great. I mean, it looked like there was no problems. Um, Sharifov, you suck. And I'm upset because I needed that match. I wanted to see that match. I know Snyder wanted that match. The only person in that arena who did not want that match was Sharifov. Agreed. And I'm upset. I, I wanted to get that match for America. I think he owes Flo money. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> is it just me or like Snyder is looking more leaner? I'm not saying he's lost like a lot of muscle as far as that goes, but like he looks more leaner and athletic, not as as bulky, you know, moving as he has been in the past. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I don't want to say he's more athletic because I mean that's never been his his. No, style. he's not. Yeah. But, but his foot movement, and which has been – I mean, that's the kale thing, right? I mean, he's moving his feet better. He's hand fighting a little bit more. I, I, he's always been an amazing hand fighter, but his it's really his foot movement. I think his foot speed and his foot movement have, have increased a ton. And I think, like I said, that's the kale part of him going there. I mean, I think that was his reasoning for going there was, hey, help me move my feet better. I mean, he's and, and nothing against Ohio State's room. Again, I'm an Ohio State fan, but when you're wrestling with Travel Delagnev, who's a, who's a heavyweight his whole career, mm-hmm. obviously an athletic heavyweight, but it's a little different than wrestling with Kale Sanderson. Totally. Um, or David Taylor. Or my, my athletic uh, talk about him was more of his, you know, his flow state of wrestling. Like again, you mentioned Kale kind of brought it out. It's kind of like a Penn State thing. He's uh, he's kind of getting to that style, which we saw. Um, or on Saturday, but yeah, he looked good. I'm excited for him. I'm glad he's healthy as well. Yeah. Um, up to two, uh, 125. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the ref was thinking in this match. Uh, Gwiz had a really nice scramble going. He yeah. kind of came off the side. I mean, it was one of your typical scrambles that you see all the time where the guy jumped, he's in a high crotch and, Gwiz kind of leaned off to the side to get to the get to the leg pass. I, I don't think he wasn't like leg pass, obviously, but he's off to the side with the with the leg, and he's using his foot to kick off the armpit. And the, the ref called it a caution one, as if he wound up his foot and kicked him. Like he was pushing off his armpit armpit, and his foot just kind of slid off the armpit. He didn't even kick him. He didn't even hit him. His foot just slid off into space, and he called it a caution one for kicking. Like, what is he thinking? Does he not watch wrestling? 
what, uh, was that a semis match? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was a semis. Yeah, so I didn't not I didn't watch that match. I just uh, I caught his bronze match, I believe, against the German. Um, yeah, you, you got to go back and, and watch that because it was it made no sense. He like I said, he's just coming off to the side like a leg pass, using his free foot to kick off the armpit to free his leg. And he got his leg free. He was about to score a takedown, and the ref stopped it. And gave him a gave him a caution one. Yeah, I that's crap. I mean, I, I was really hoping to see him go on and wrestle uh, Petrus Bealy, but um, right. we didn't get to see that match. I mean, Gwiz is he's pretty darn good at his uh, you know, his snatch singles, uh, you know, the step single. But yeah, I don't know. I I, don't wanna... not, I think guys like Gable, Mason, maybe might have better chances against these guys. Just they're. They're, they seem to be quicker. Um, I mean, I, again, I'm a Gwiz guy. I'm, I'm rooting for him to win the the uh, to be on the Olympic team. But I, I want to see how these guys, these other guys, c- compete with the uh, you know guys like Petrus Vili and the Poland that he lost to. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Gable compete against Petrus Vili and uh, and Akul. I, I want to see. I want to see Paris compete against him too. I think he's got a really good style for the international level, and I'm, I'm excited to see them go. Um, that being said, that call that was made did not decide the match, in my opinion. There was still a minute to go in the match. Gwiz had plenty of time to get his feet moving and score. Gwiz was the better wrestler. I mean, he just gave the guy an opportunity to win the match that he, he shouldn't have. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to have to go back and watch that match. I actually watched Petrus Vili versus the guy he lost to in the semis. Um, that was a good match as well. Petrus Vili is pretty good. He for, for look like The way he looks, you wouldn't expect him to, I guess – He's so nimble on his feet. Right. Um, but that was a good match. Uh, Gwiz finished with bronze, and that kind of covered the uh, the freestyle, men's freestyle portion of the tournament. We'll uh, cover a little bit of the women's freestyle. They had a – I mean, we mentioned that they had a freaking fired team going into France, and they came away with, like – everyone came away with medals besides two people. So, yeah, I, I watched almost every one of the girls' wrestle. Um, they, I had, I think I had more fun watching them wrestle than I did watching the guys wrestle. Um, I knew a little bit more of the context with the guys cause I know the more of the international guys. So it's a little bit easier to follow them, but watching our girls beat everybody up was a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, they were good. Um, I was able to watch a few of those semis and finals matches on my way to work, but, um, there were some, some good wrestling and they represented pretty well. Um, we'll go yeah. to 50 kilograms, uh, Hildebrandt. One gold, fifty. Uh, Fernside took bronze. Uh, Fifty-three kilograms. Winchester took silver. Fifty-seven kilograms. Helen Morales took gold, and Louvet went two and two. At sixty-two kilograms, Miracle took gold, beating Kilty, um, who took silver in the finals. Sixty-eight kilograms. Mensa Stock took gold, beating Molinaire finals, and also at sixty-eight kilograms. Francis went 0-2. What yeah, matches that suck out to you? I need to give Jakara Winchester a shout-out. Uh, she wrestled a great match. She wrestled against Sophia Metzen, uh, world champion, has actually beaten Winchester three times. The last time they wrestled, she teched her 10-0. This match was 5-4, and it was a good match. I mean, Winchester's uh, one turn away. I mean, she she got a takedown late and then got a nice high gut for a turn, and then she was close to getting the, getting the second one to win the match, and then it just kind of – they ended up blowing it dead, but I mean, that's a match. She, she flopped from a 10 0 
lost to a 5-4 loss. And I'm excited to see her keep improving that. Also, Helen Marulis is a goddess, and she's amazing. I love watching her wrestle. Please never retire. I know you're going to, but please don't. <laughs> um, last week, I said that Kilty is going to push Kayla Miracle. That she did. She ended up losing. It, the score probably wasn't very close because Miracle was able to pull it away in the second period. Um, but Kilty looked really good early. Um, just didn't really make the adjustments Miracle did in the second period. Um, but Kilty did pin a world champion or a four-time world medalist earlier in the tournament. So she looking really good. I'm really excited to see her in the future. Um, and then you had uh, Mensa Stock versus Molinari, which I knew was going to be a tough one. I knew it was going to be physical because Molinari makes everything physical. Um, Mensa Stock is just better at the moment. Yeah, I have no idea why I have Molinaro here in the uh, in the dock. Yeah, I obviously know it's Forrest Molinari. Yeah, that match between Mensa Stock and Molinari was scary. Um, that was like a brawl at the end. The hand fighting was so uh, was brutal. She definitely frustrated Forrest while staying in good at stance. And yeah. uh, just, I think Forrest might have scored her point um, off the shot clock first. I'm not positive, but then uh, that was the start of the match. Yeah. Yeah, so then Mensa Stock, um, and then right off, right after she came off the shot clock, no, yeah, so Tamara Stock was um, scored her for point first, and uh, you know right when the shot clock expired, you know Tamara Stock came in on a single, uh, and then ended up finishing it, take a three-one lead. I believe uh, at the end it was a caution and one for a headbutt, right? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I mean that's what I gathered. Obviously, yeah. there was there was no like commentary nothing for us to really understand don't speak french but it that was my understanding and then um there was a low single attempt by uh forrest that kind of it was really a desperation shot i mean she didn't really sniff mensa stock's legs all match because you know mensa stock was in pretty damn good position the whole match and that shot was uh stuffed tamara spun spun behind and took the 6-1 win but, I mean, the depth at some of these weights for America is is awesome. It's good to see. I mean, it's obviously making each other – making them better. And, uh, I mean, we're going to have a really good team come Tokyo. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the trials and see how this team shakes out too. So, that about covers it. You got anything else to add? No. Um, I think we had a couple guys medal in Greco. Uh, I did not follow it that closely after two full days of waking up at 4.30 in the morning and working – 14 hours i'm sure you had a similar situation i was not doing it a third day in a row sorry greco uh i i, I mean i'm gonna be at trials and i'm hoping to see some good some good greco wrestling there but i did not get a chance to watch much of it yeah i'll plug in uh the greco guys so uh we had a few guys obviously not placed but at 67 kilograms jamel johnson um of marines he took fifth john stefanowicz of marines took fifth at 87 kilograms and also at 87 kilograms, Terrence Zaleski of Marines took fifth. Up at 97 kilograms, Daniel Miller of Marines took bronze, and that about covered it. So we had like, you know, three or four guys that, well, one guy took bronze, but a few guys that took fifth. So we didn't have a lot of the hammers that you know our men's freestyle had, but yeah, no, I, it was a it was an okay showing. Um, we'll keep improving, I hope. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that's all I have. Um, We'll be back, obviously, next weekend. 
there's some college stuff going on this weekend uh, as well as tonight. Uh, I, there is a card. Did you know anything about the Wisconsin card? I should have said that, said something about it. Yeah. Because... Um, there's a, it's a pretty good one. Hold on. Let me, let me pull it up. Um, yeah. I know they got, they got a ton of girls wrestling actually. Um, I think they actually have more women's freestyle matches than men's freestyle matches. They got, um, they got a few youth matches, um, some high school matches. Um, pull it up right now. I think one of them was uh, Michaela Beck's wrestling, which she's a, she's got New York roots. Uh, she's wrestling Br- Brenda Reyna. Headliner is uh, Joe Dubuque versus Chris Flieger. That that should be a, a fun, oh, yeah, fun match. That's funny. Seth's wrestling too, isn't he? Yeah, Seth's wrestling Rustam Umpar. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, right. that's gonna be so exciting because I mean, Rustam's like he's pretty savvy and his style's awesome to watch. And then you got a guy like Seth Gross. Yeah, I'm so mad I cannot find this card right now. So the the uh, there's like one, there's 14 matches total, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, women's wrestling as All well. All right, uh, stuff that sticks out. Oh yes, uh, Evan Wick, David McFadden. That'll be a good one. Braxton Amos is wrestling CJ Brucky. I'm really excited to see that. I'm excited to see how Braxton Amos looks against some top competition. Right. Um, we have a, a Greco match with Tyler Dow and Ben Provisor. Ronna Heaton, Heaton versus Felicity Taylor. Yep, that'll be a good one. Aaron Goldston's wrestling against Pauline Granados. Um, oh, shout out New York uh, girl Jaden Laurent versus Joy Lewandowski. Oh yeah, Joy. Yeah, Joy. Yo, shout out Wayne Fish. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> Uh, we have uh, Mia Plumbo taking on Chloe Ayers, too. Yeah. No, it'll be a good one. And then we got – I know there's another card coming up. Um, Pittsburgh's got a card coming up. Penn does. Penn's got a card. Penn's going to be a good one. Um, the pit card has um, Evan Wick versus Chance Marsteller. Yeah, I did see that one. Uh, there's a match that I want to talk about real quick. Ben, Ben uh, Hannes just told me on the uh, podcast he's wrestling Boykin. A Spartan RTC. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Yeah. To, so like, uh, I didn't, I didn't know what his future was like, or what matches he had coming up. I know Penn RTC, a lot of their guys have been competing, but he, uh, he mentioned that he's going to be wrestling Boykin. So that'll be fun to watch seeing yeah. Ben back on the mats. Yeah. So that, that pit card is January 26th at 6 PM on Rockfin. Um, it looks like the headliner is going to be, uh, Evan Wick and Chance Marsteller. Um, and then I know, and then the last one is the, the Penn RTC one that we were talking, just talking about. Yeah. Penn RTC one's January 29th. So, I mean, that week sounds like a good week of wrestling. Can't wait yeah. to watch that. Mark Hall, Nate Jackson, you mentioned earlier. My, oh, Miles Martin, Max, they're wrestling Miles Martin and Max Dean. I don't, I love Max Dean and he did beat him at NCAAs, but why are you not wrestling Gabe Dean? True. Miles is a top five guy in the country on the ladder Gabe should be a top five guy in the country on the ladder like I don't understand why you're not wrestling that one um you got Chandler Rogers Ben Darmstadt who's uh who's getting assassin in that match um dude that's a great question yeah right um I'm not ready to pick who's getting assassin yet because they're both really good at it I almost want to say nobody only because they're both going to just like clam up so they don't get assassin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so somebody's going to have to taste their own medicine. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out and say somebody's getting assassin. I don't know who, but 
that that'll be a fun match to watch. For the team just so it can happen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, we have Anthony Artolona versus Evan Henderson on the card as well. Yep. Um, I'm super excited to watch Vincenzo Joseph wrestle again. He's wrestling against David McFadden here. Said a lot of David McFadden's name. He's wrestling everywhere right now. That's pretty exciting. Um, but McFadden and Chenzo is going to be a good match, I think. Yeah, I'm big on Chenzo. Um, listening to him on Bashamania's, uh, you know, podcast is just he, he seems like a pretty cool guy, and you know, his outlook on the sport and you know on life is is fun. So I can't wait to watch him compete, and uh, that that'll be a good match with him and McFadden. Yeah, I guess they're wrestling 79 kilos, and Vincenzo said that he was like a pound under already. <laughs> yeah, he wanted it down, but like um, Coach Slay told him that uh, McFadden's on like a weight descent plan, so right. he kind of you know wanted him to stay on the plane instead of cutting more weight to you know make weight per se. Right. Also, shout out Skylar Groch. She's also wrestling, um, and Nasa Med. That'll be a good match. Yeah, so that is uh, some of the more freestyle matches that we're going to see. You know, there probably won't be as many cards leading up to trials just because people are maybe, obviously, with Penn State, you know, their their match against Rutgers was canceled because um, COVID. And, obviously, David Taylor's match against Burroughs was postponed because of being traced. So some of these guys might not want to take that risk or some yeah, of the I programs. See, I see the cards slowing down a lot. I mean – not only because of that kind of stuff, but also yeah, the because, season, right? The, the season um, coming along and you got to have some kind of training regimen coming into the Olympic trials. And if you're competing every weekend, especially like in the freestyle scene where they, they're not used to competing every weekend, like you are in college, they kind of got into that routine. I don't see a lot of the cards happening. I don't see a lot of guys put it out there after probably mid February. Yeah. So we'll enjoy the cards while we can, but um, there's definitely some, pretty good matches coming up on some of these cards. So that's all I have for episode seven. Yeah. No, thanks guys. Uh, thanks. Thanks Dylan. Um, follow us on Twitter at wrestling six Oh seven. Yeah. And uh, at more wrestling, right? Yeah. And more wrestling. And that's a wrap for episode seven. Thanks for tuning in. If you've liked this episode, give it a five-star rate and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, give it a like and give it a share on social media. I forgot to do an outro to my last episode which I put out this morning with Ben Hannes. Um, you can follow Ben at on Twitter and Instagram at bhannes31. Uh, you can keep up with him and what he's doing at PennRTC. Um, you can follow my co-host Zach at Rasslin607 on Twitter. That's R-A-S-S-L-I-N 607. And you can follow me at More Wrestling. Um, if you know of any wrestler or coach um, or anybody really with, you know, New York ties, um, whether that's a college wrestler out of, out of state or RTC guy out of state, uh, let me know and I'll reach out to them and try to set up an interview and, you know, share their story. Thanks. Peace.